I invite you to turn to our passage this morning. You can find it typed out on page three of your bulletin or, or in, a, in a Bible, 1 Peter 1. We're going to take a little one-week break from our series in the book of Numbers. Uh, if you've been with us as we've been studying the Old Testament book of Numbers, a great, a great section of scripture to study. The last few weeks have been have been kind of the downside. It's been pretty dark. Remember, it's rebellion after rebellion and grumbling after grumbling. And and I, I trust we've seen how God points us, even through the depths and ugliness of sin, points us to the, the good news of Christ at the end of the day that we so desperately need. Well, sometimes it's helpful to start with the good news. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're we're going to start with the good news. Actually, that's exactly what Peter does. Here he is, beginning his letter, and the first thing he wants to say in the main body of his letter to these, the very first sentence to these suffering, struggling believers is the good news of Christ. And so let's begin uh, and, and uh, all the way through with that good news as we read together. We're going to focus in on verses 3 to 5, but we'll start at the very beginning uh, of, of the book at verse 1. So listen, listen to God's word. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray for God's blessing on his word. Lord, we do pray that you would use your word, the reading now and the, and the proclaiming of it, Lord, to show us afresh the good glory of Christ and his saving power. Lord, refresh our, our hearts and our hope together as we look to you and what you have done. For we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you've heard the name Victor Frankel. If you study this first Peter passage, you read commentaries, listen to sermons, uh, Frankel's name comes up quite a bit as illustration uh, because this passage is all about hope. And Frankel spent most of his life studying and thinking and wrestling through the importance of hope. Uh, Frankel was a psychiatrist, and uh, it, like, like millions and millions of European Jews, uh, was imprisoned in Nazi concentration camps in World War II. Frankel was one of the, the, the blessed ones who made it out alive, uh, but he wrestled through those horrible circumstances and tried to think through, as, as a, a as professional, how does hope play a role in the ugliest of the things of this world? And, and he tells this one story that's especially striking. Uh, here's here's what, he, what he says about uh, his interaction with, with a, a, someone in the camps with him. He says, a fairly well-known composer confided in me one day, I would like to tell you something, doctor. I've had a strange dream. 
a voice told me that I could wish for something, that I should only say what I wanted to know, and that all my questions would be answered. Uh, and, and what do you think I asked for? That I would like to know when the war would be over for me. You know what I mean, doctor. For me, I want to know when we, when our camp will be liberated and our suffering come to an end. When, when, did, this, uh, when did you have this dream, Frank asked? Uh, in February. It was the beginning of March. Uh, and what did your dream voice answer? Furtively, he whispered to me, March 30th. When he told me about his dream, he was still full of hope convinced that the voice of his dream would be right. But as the promised day uh, neared, the war news which reached our camp made it appear very unlikely that we would be free on the promised date. On March 29th, my friend suddenly became ill and ran a high temperature. On March 30th, the day of his prophecy that he told that the war uh, would be over and suffering would be over, he became delirious and lost consciousness. On March 31st, he was dead. The sudden loss of hope can have a deadly effect, Frankel writes. Any attempt to restore a man's inner strength first has to succeed in showing him some future goal. You can't live without hope. In fact, Frankel's practice after the war focused in on that idea. He, he came to every patient assuming if this person was alive, they had some hope. And he wanted to understand what it was. Uh, that, that the very reason they continued to exist meant they're clinging on to something, some future hope that, that kept them going, that got them through another, another day. It's just a question of what it was. Um, so... Here you are. You're alive. It means you must have some type of hope. Some reason to show up another day. What is it? How good is that hope? Uh, is it tenuous? Fragile? Uh, kind of a hope against hope? A stab in the dark? A dream that, that could be easily crushed and disappointed and with even, uh, even despairing effects in your own life? Or is it a, a rock-solid, never-shaken hope? Something built on some, someone bigger than you. Uh, a hope that not only sustains you, a hope that well actually brings uh, glory and honor to the one who made you and the one who holds you up each and every day. Well, here's me as we look at Peter <clears throat> opening his letter, writing his first full big sentence to the believers that are scattered about uh, in modern-day Turkey. Peter really doesn't have the, the freedom to talk to them in philosophical, uh, kind of calm, detached musings. Uh, this isn't a hypothetical question, as he writes, because he's writing to believers who are going through a fiery trial, he calls it later. Uh, they're, uh, they're not just musing in a classroom. They're, they're suffering. They're going through difficulty. They're struggling to hang on. And so when he writes to them about hope, uh, he's writing to them in a situation which spiritually really is life and death. And what he brings to them is a kind of hope that 
Well, it's glorious. Not only because it's it's ten, it's the opposite of fragile and, and perishable, but it's something that sustains and brings glory and honor uh, to the God who made us and who saves us. And, and that's what we want to look at because, well, in many ways, we're in similar position to the one believers that Peter wrote to. Uh, we're we don't come to questions uh, of life and death and hope uh, in a detached way. We come as those who are under the pressures of life in a very fallen world, as we've seen in Numbers, life in the wilderness. And so, hope. Is there really, could there really be a hope that is rock-solid, sure, that sustains and comforts well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, three headings are, are there in your bulletin to help us break down Peter's words, talking about hope's power, hope's prize, and hope's protection. And so as we do this, uh, begin to think to yourself each step of the way, uh, what, what is my hope, and is it this glorious? So hope's power. In verse 3, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter speaks of a living hope. A living hope. And so he's, he's clearly not talking about just dreams, stab-in-the-dark wishes. This is something different. A, a, a living hope. A hope that's alive. Alive, he says, because Jesus lives. That's why it's a living hope. Because Jesus lives. He points us back to Christ, back to the life of Christ. Oh, yes, Jesus died, but he's been raised. Jesus is alive. And Peter writes to suffering believers, struggling believers like us, and says, Your hope is living because Jesus is living. It's connected with the work of Christ. Uh, it's connected in something that has already taken place, uh, something that is done and, and settled, uh, as if, uh, well, it's, it's not even as if, it's, it's, it's the truth that in order to remove this hope, in order to shake and destroy this hope, well, you'd have to undo uh, this past event. In order to destroy this hope, you'd have to kill Jesus again. You'd have to put him back in the tomb uh, because it's connected to what he has already done and what is already finished. Well, how could that be? Uh, okay, historical event is settled, uh, but how does that have to do with me, with, with you? Well, Jesus, or Peter, then uh, shows us how these things uh, are connected because we are connected to Jesus. Uh, he talks about uh, us being uh, born again to this living hope. Uh, he has caused us to be born again to, the, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, a, a, a rebirth, uh, being born again. Uh, perhaps our, our passage in Ephesians that we read this morning is helpful to flesh this out. What does it mean to be, to be born again to a living hope through Jesus? Uh, and it's good to go back to, to, to this Ephesians passage and to just remind ourselves of of what it truly means biblically. Sometimes we can talk in Christian circles about being born again, and our, our words and our minds focus in on what we do. Um, 
talking about how we might pray a prayer or have made a commitment or responded to an invitation. And, and, and those are all good things. I hope you have called on the name of the Lord in prayer, uh, trusting in him uh, for salvation. But being born again is not connected biblically to what we do, but to what God has done. And, and Paul really makes that, makes that point clear and helps us connect with Peter. So look at the Ephesians again. It starts over on the previous page. He starts with where we were, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. So if there's any hope for us, it's got to come from a, a rebirth because we start off dead. Um, but that's exactly what God does. So you go over to verse 4, but but God, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but verse 4, but God, in other words, Paul is about to give us what God does, not what we do, but what God has done, and what is exactly, what has God done? God, being rich in mercy, that's exactly the language that Peter uses, if you might remember, verse 3 of, of our Peter passage, uh, is according to his great mercy, and here's Paul using the same thing, but God, being rich in mercy, in other words, God doing something that we don't deserve. Yeah, that makes sense, because we're the ones who are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so if God's going to do something, it's going to be mercy. That's exactly what uh, both Peter and Paul agree on. Oh, it's mercy. We don't deserve it. What did God do? God made us alive together with Christ. Uh, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, so you see this, this rebirth, this going from dead to alive, uh, Paul connects it to the work of Christ. We are made alive together with Christ. So this historical event, Jesus going from dead to alive, uh, his resurrection, now we're, we're connected to it. Uh, we who were dead are now made alive, connected to Jesus. Uh, and that's, that's how this hope uh, is connected to the work of Christ, uh, to his resurrection, why it's, why it's alive and, and true and never to be shaken, because it's not about something we do, it's about something God has done, and specifically, God raising Christ from the dead. Uh, so if you're, if you're alive in Christ, uh, then you can, look at, uh, you can look at the work of Christ uh, the resurrection in Christ, and say, well, that's there. there's the grounding of my hope. We'll talk in a minute about exactly what we're looking forward to, but it's, but it's grounded in, it's based on the finished resurrection of Jesus. So you can say to yourself, well, in order for this, this hope to vanish, to disappear, to be shattered, you'd have to kill Jesus again. Because I'm connected to him. I've been reborn in him. In order to shatter this hope, you'd have to put Jesus back in the tomb. That's a good thing to remind yourself of in those moments when maybe you're, maybe you're tempted to say, mm, can, I really, can I really put all my trust in this, in this hope of, of Jesus, in this hope of scripture, in this hope of the gospel? Uh, it's, sometimes it seems so far away. Right? Sometimes it seems so intangible. The things that we're tempted to trust in in, in this world, they're, they're, they're right here. Uh, they're easy to grab them, easy to touch them. They're, they seem quicker. 
And maybe we're tempted to kind of run to those things or, or be afraid or doubt. Uh, and here's, here's what we can say in those moments. Well, this is how sure our hope is. Is Jesus alive? If he's alive, then, then our hope is sure. Our hope is safe. It's a living hope through the resurrection uh, of Jesus. It's also an encouragement for those moments when we feel like we've, uh, we're not good enough for this hope. You know, we've just messed up. Well, here's the good news. Your hope is not based on what you did. It's based on what Christ has done. Uh, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be reborn into this living hope. It's for those uh, who have been remade through Christ. Uh, and that's you if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus. Because as Paul, as Paul makes clear, uh, this being, being reborn, well, you get to see it uh, by grace through faith. You get to see it in the faith that comes out of an, uh, a renewed, a reborn heart. Uh, so if you're, if you're trusting in Christ, then this hope is yours. You've turned from sin, you're grabbing on to the work of Jesus as, as, as your salvation, then, then this hope is yours, and nothing can take it from you. It's based on the work of Christ. It's also why if you, if you don't know Jesus, then, then, then this hope is, is at a distance. You don't have it, but it's also the very thing that Jesus freely offers. Uh, freely offers not because you're good enough, but because Christ won it for those who need mercy. And so you call out to Christ, uh, and, and this, this salvation, this rescue is yours. So uh, a, hope, a powerful hope, because it's based on the power and the finished work of Christ. So let's talk then about hope's power, hope's prize, secondly. Hope's prize. Here we move from verse 3 into verse 4. So according to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we've been reborn into an inheritance. Reborn into an inheritance. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, children get the inheritance. Reborn children inheritance. I I was talking to my parents recently. They're, they're at that point in life where they feel like they're, they want to make sure everything's kind of arranged and all the affairs are settled. Not because they need to, health-wise or age-wise, but they're, just, they're there at that place. Uh, and so they're, they're talking to all the siblings. Okay, here's where the important documents are, and here's the list of, of insurance policies and accounts, and it's kept here, and the key's here, and okay, all the kids are getting the, 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 the speech. It makes sense, because all the children were, well, were, the, were the heirs. Of course, they were quick to follow it up as, like, don't get excited. <laughs> there, there is no hard family fortune. Uh, you know. um, but but we're, the, we're the children, and so the, that's, that's connected to us. Well, what if, what if you could be a, a child where there really was an inheritance? How about a child of God? And that's exactly what, what Peter's talking about here. Right? We're, we're reborn, new family, children of the living God, and thus inheritance. Inheritance that really is fortune. Inheritance kept in heaven for you. And so here is, 
here is that, that same future look. Remember, hope has a, is this future look, something we don't yet have and don't yet see uh, right up close, but, but it's, it's, it's guaranteed in the future. And the same kind of idea now reflected in terms of inheritance. Don't have it yet, at least not in fullness, but it's, but it's there. Yeah, for children. Inheritance. Kept in heaven for you. Now, if we were to talk and really dive into what does this inheritance look like? What does this heavenly inheritance look like? The, the place to go in Scripture probably would be the book of Revelation, where you get these, these various snapshots of heaven, these various pictures, just trying to give us some earthly look about the glory that is to come. We know it will even be better than that, but some way to wrap our minds around it. And what are some of the things we see in Revelation uh, that's, that's the heavenly inheritance? Well, first and foremost, we see that the glory and riches of heaven primarily is wrapped up in Jesus being there, that we're with him, that, that face to face we see him and we're like him and, and fellowship with him. There's the glory, uh, the one who sits on the throne and the lamb, father, son, and spirit. We are with him, that fellowship with him. There's the glory uh, and riches of heaven. But then it's, it's, there's, something that, there's things that accompany it. Uh, we're with him and, and thus we're transformed into his likeness. And so the finishing of the work of, uh, of God's work in us inside and outside, we have a resurrection bodies like his so we match him. No more sickness or crying or pain, all the difficulties and weakness gone. Uh, pictures of a transformed world that match. Uh, and so all the evil and the ugliness, is, that is gone too. And, and indeed believers together and it looks like a party. A feast uh, with the Lord Jesus uh, forever and ever, and a new heavens and new earth. These little pictures of that heavenly inheritance. Well, you look at Peter here, and he actually wants to talk not as much about what the inheritance is, but what the inheritance isn't. Do you notice that? His words about the inheritance are, are really focusing on, on what it isn't. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. He wants to talk about what it isn't. Because it gives this really sharp contrast with everything else you see around you. Everything about this age, this inheritance, Peter said, it's the exact opposite. Now, think of all the things you see around you. Uh, they all perish sooner or later. Death, Decay, just give it time. Um, everything in this fallen world is, is defiled. It's stained with sin. Even, even the best of the created things uh, get stained with sin and darkness in, in this age. Uh, everything fades. Again, sooner or later, it withers, it, it, it dies. Uh, but Peter says, imagine an inheritance that's none of those things. That's none of those things. As he's, remember, he's writing to Christians who are suffering in this world. They look around them, and, they, and the things that are pressing down are, are all these things of this age. And he, he brings their mind to a, to a very different age and says, yes, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's, things, it's this, an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. He casts their mind on that. Perhaps Peter has in the back of his mind uh, the words that he learned from Jesus himself. Remember how Jesus talked in, in somewhat similar terms? 
as he said to his disciples, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Yeah, treasure, inheritance that can't get destroyed, uh, that can't rust, uh, that can't break. It's it's important thing to, to fill our minds with because we are, are tempted to find our treasure, to find our hope uh, in things that eventually do break. It's easy for our hearts to begin to, oh yeah, heavenly treasure is nice, but it seems so far away. How about something a little closer? It could be good things of this world, right? Certainly, uh, certainly the things of this earth uh, and we could go to other scripture and see uh, things that God made. Well, they're given for us to be received with thanksgiving and therefore enjoyed. Um, so, but there's a there's a key difference from uh, enjoying a good gift to treasure, hope, and there's the trick of our hearts: uh, taking good thing to be enjoyed and saying, "Now it's hope. Now it's treasure." Maybe you can think of where your, your heart might be tempted in the big things or even in the, even in the smaller things, um, whether, it's, uh, whether it's material possessions, good to be enjoyed, but eventually it breaks, uh, or, or, or relationships or achievements, they can be good, uh, but, but they're so easily stained and defiled. Well, maybe, maybe even connected to, to this time of the year. How, how many of us in summer routines different? We kind of get focused in on, on good things to come, a vacation, a, a time off. Uh, those are good things. I mentioned in the announcements this morning that we're going to be taking a little time away this week. And, and uh, there's, there's a good thing. God, God loves rest and refreshment, and, and he's the Lord of the Sabbath. That this refreshment, rest, that's a good thing. Um, I, I've noticed this kind of pattern in my, in my own heart, uh, that when these kinds of things, whether it's a vacation or a retreat type thing, comes up, usually like the week before, I, I start to get a little anxious. Because, like, you know, I know in the back of my mind, uh, because it's happened before, that, you know, all it takes is, is like one illness, uh, you know, one, one little thing, and the whole thing gets blown up. Like it's, you know, you just, it, this, it, this has happened before. And so what if, you know, what if the illness, what if the unexpected thing, it's, it's and so it's just a little bit of anxiousness, what might happen. And, uh, those are great opportunities. Maybe you can connect to something you're looking forward to. And, and there's a little bit of worry of what, what if, oh, it, it. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, and so I'm trying to learn how to use it as an opportunity in my relationship to the Lord. First, uh, to remind myself, and you can remind yourself, that, that good gifts really are good. And the Father loves to give good gifts. And so you can go with a, with a peacefulness to your Father and say, Father, this is a good gift. Could you please give it and sustain it? That's good. Uh, but then it's also an opportunity to remind ourselves it's a good gift, but it's not treasure. But it's not hope. Right? Uh, if, if, if my hope is in something that is so tenuous, so fragile, that, that, that one little thing and it's gone, man, 
that's a lousy hope. That's a lousy treasure. And, and, and especially when you bring in what Peter has here and is, here's an inheritance, here's a treasure, here's a living hope that's imperishable, unfading, undefiled. It, it's not tenuous like this. And so it reminds us of, of, of where the ultimate hope can never be, should never be, and where it really is. Uh, and so the, the things of this world enjoy, but, but even, the, even the fallenness and the tenuousness and the fragility, it's an opportunity for us to, to cast our minds to that which is not fragile, that which is not tenuous, because it's all wrapped up in Jesus and it's kept in heaven for us. Children of the living God, undeserved in inheritance, a glorious one, uh, and, and kept for us. Heaven, or hope's prize. And now let's, uh, let's find, uh, finish up with verse 5, and hope's protection. Hope's protection. Notice how, how the uh, verse 4 flows into verse 5 with a, that similar theme of, of, of protection. So an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I love how uh, commentator Edmund Clowney summarizes this. Uh, he talks about these verses as, not only is our inheritance kept for us, but we are kept for our inheritance. Not only are, 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 is our inheritance being kept for us, but we are being kept for our inheritance. Think of, think of the encouragement in that. Maybe, maybe take an earthly example of, of what might be the opposite. Okay, so you have this really eccentric uncle, Uncle Stewart. He's just, he's just crazy. Uh, but he, he's, also, he's also crazy genius, so he had this invention, made a huge pile of money, uh, and, uh, and you're one of the heirs. So there's this huge fortune, you're the, you're the heir, but, but it's in the hands of crazy Uncle Stewart, which means you just never know whether you'll ever see a penny of it, right? He's just crazy enough to live till 105, and so you die before he does. Uh, or, or you gotta, every family function, gotta be careful because he's just crazy enough to hear something you say, get offended, and then one stroke of a pen, you're out of the will and you're gone, and you never see any of it. Right, so great inheritance, uh, it, it's big, being kept, but you never know whether you're going you're gonna to see it, uh, whether you're going to be sustained in it and actually get to it. Can you imagine, that, that doesn't feel very hopeful. That doesn't feel like the kind of thing that, that helps you through difficult times uh, and, and, and helps control the fear and the anxiety. In fact, it, it produces fear. Um, and so here's Peter, Peter writing, to first century Christians going through hard things, to 21st century Christians going through hard things. Uh, and isn't it good news that, that when he writes to us, it's not just, oh, there's this great inheritance, but whether you'll get it or not, who knows? You know, crazy uncle in the sky, never quite know. No, instead, it's the true and living God, it's the sure hope based on what is what God has already done in, in his finished work in Christ, Christ raised never to die again, but also, verse 5, he says, not only is the inheritance kept for you, you are being kept for your inheritance. Kind of this picture of, 
this picture of uh, God putting a uh, putting a guard around His people. All right, God God putting us in protective custody, right? Protecting us from from anybody out there and and protecting us from ourselves. Right? We're we're in this in this protective custody of God guarding us. Uh, until that great day when when the hope is realized, and when the, the, the faith becomes sight, when when the inheritance in fullness is, is given. And he connects it to the last day, the return of Jesus, when the fullness of the kingdom and the fullness of our salvation appears. But until then, uh, Peter says, yeah, you can really have hope in these dark times because, well, not only is the inheritance kept for you, you're being guarded for it. You're being kept for it. Uh, notice he does say that, that we're active in the process. right? So he says, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. So it's, it's God's guarding, and yet it's through faith. So we're, it's God guarding us, but yet we're actively clinging to him. That's, that's a good description of the Christian life. Uh, it's not just we kind of sit back and wait. Uh, God's guarding us. There's, there's, there's the confidence. But in the midst of it, we're clinging to Jesus day after day. That's the beginning of the Christian life. Put your trust in Christ, and that's every day and all along the way. We're clinging to Jesus uh, in the details, uh, trusting in him. Uh, and, and there is, we're guarded in him. What an encouragement to know this gift. Uh, not only is the inheritance true, but you're being carefully guarded for us. It's all about hope. This, this thing that, that apparently we, we need, that, that apparently we can't even survive without. Okay, so here we are. We're, we're still here. So we must have some kind of hope, some kind of uh, reason within that physically and spiritually is allowing us to get through this next day, some kind of hope uh, that we don't yet have but we're looking to the question just is, how good is it? How good is that? Is it something that can truly sustain? Is it something that's truly real and truly glorious? Well, here's Peter. He's coming in uh, to, a, to a world and to Christians who are understanding that the world that they see is so easily fragile, breakable, uh, fading, stained. And he's saying... There is an inheritance. Because you are children. There is a treasure. There is a, there is a hope. And it's based on what Jesus did. And it's, it's kept for you. And more than that, you're being kept for it. That's, that's their confidence in hard times. That's our confidence in hard times. And it's, it's, it's seeing the things of this earth, enjoying the good gifts, yes. Seeing the fragile faded stainedness and having it uh, allow our attention to go to that which is unstained and unfading uh, and resting in that. Uh, and that's, that's your hope, believer. That's, that's the encouragement that you have. Don't, don't settle for something that's going to break. Uh, it's better. It's more encouraging. And of course, God gets all the glory. And, and here, here's part of the, 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 you can meditate on this one, uh, and, uh, in this, in the week ahead, is it's the neat part about this hope and this inheritance is God gives you a little down payment of it right now. Right? You get to start to enjoy it. 
It's, it's, like the, it's like the parent who has the big inheritance but decides to give a little of it away before they, before they die. Right? Before the big day, God is already giving us tastes of it. You have a taste of it. God's presence, that's the glory to come, what gives us you the Holy Spirit now. A transformed uh, person, uh, yeah, well, you got the, a down payment of it now as God's working in your life. You, a transformed world, we get little snapshots of that in the body of Christ and good fellowship, uh, maybe even a good fellowship meal. Then you get a little taste of what the glory is to come. Let it, let it kind of whet your appetite uh, for, the, for the glory that is waiting. Kept for you and you kept for it. Let's pray. Father, you, you are so good. Gracious to the very, very ones who are undeserving. And we pray that you would lift our eyes up to what is true, what is lasting. Lord, give us, give us confidence in difficult days, in, in joys, and in disappointments, Lord, that we might have, uh, have a, a true, sure hope in our hearts that honors you and that sustains us. We're thankful that you've won that for us in Christ. Uh, Lord, minister to each one here according to the different needs, according to the different challenges in front of each one. Lord, we're thankful that as a good father, you know each one of them. Uh, and Lord, you're already at work there through your spirit to minister, to sustain, to encourage. So continue that good work and may Christ be glorified in it all. For we do pray in his name. Amen.